This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, how fascinating. The church gives us a passage from the Noah story as Lent commences. Everyone knows the tale of Noah and the Ark, but most probably think of it as a charming story that we tell to kids. Well, it is that. Kids always respond to that story. But in point of fact, it's decisively important for understanding the ways of God in regard to the human race. Let's go back to the very beginning of the Bible. We know from the opening verses of Genesis that God made everything good. The Bible stands athwart all forms of dualism, puritanism, manichaeism, Gnosticism. Doctrines, by the way, as seductive today as they ever were. That would be a sermon for another time. But all of creation, spiritual and material, the Bible says, is good. Even those things that creep and crawl on the ground. How wonderful that Genesis mentions not just sort of high, exalted creatures. It mentions the insects, the creepy, crawly things. You know, I think of this whenever I react, as most of us do, to a kind of disgusting insect. You know, some insect is coming to your room and you... We might find it creepy, but God found it very good. Extraordinary unity of the biblical imagination. Well, what is sin? What does it do? Sin, in its core, is disobedience to God. Now, don't think of this as a God's a schoolmarm and angry that we're not obeying, you know. It's a refusal to listen. Obedire, right, in Latin, means to listen, to abide by, attend to. Sin is a refusal to listen to the divine word and the divine command, which is designed to make us fully alive, as I mentioned last week. God's not giving arbitrary commands so he can show off. No, no, God's word, coming now from the very heart of of goodness itself, is a word that's meant to make us happy. Sin, and you see it in the Adam and Eve story, is a refusal to listen. What's the result? And now we see it all through the Bible. The result is a compromising of creation. Division, separation, mutual suspicion. Think of Adam and Eve in the wake of the fall. She made me do it. That woman you put here with me. Oh, that snake made me do it. That snake that you left let in the garden. Blaming, accusing, dividing. Look at the moves of Cain and Abel. So the, the first son you know, born of the first parents is a murderer. Think of the builders of the Tower of Babel, full of imperialism, egotism. Sin, a refusal to listen to God, 
leads to all of this division, separation, violence, hatred, and so on. See, and this is why the floodwaters in the story of Noah should not be read as some arbitrary divine punishment. Rather, they should be interpreted as the consequence of sin. What I mean now is the falling apart and destruction of creation. And, you know, and this can sound abstract, I know, but friends, you know it in your bones because, see, we're all sinners. We all know the truth of this. So what does God do? He doesn't gloat or rejoice in our suffering. Instead, he sends a rescue operation. Here's how we should read Noah's Ark, I think, symbolically. Noah's Ark preserves a microcosm of God's good order, human and non-human. That's why all the animals are represented. He preserves, if you want to put it this way, something of the Garden of Eden on this great ship. Amidst the tohu vabohu of sin, that's that wonderful Hebrew term, tohu vabohu, the primal chaos. Amidst the primal chaos of sin, a remnant of God's good creation remains. Once the floodwaters recede, God commands that the life be let out. See, and this is the context for the wonderful covenant promise that we hear of in our first reading. God blesses this new beginning and promises to foster the life that has survived the crisis. Friends, I want you to see this now. This is an archetype for God's dealing with the human race ever since. God continually sends rescue operations so as to preserve something of his life and the order of creation even in the midst of sin. And therefore, the people Israel can be construed as a kind of corporate Noah. The people Israel is a new ark. It's a place where the world learns again how to worship God and how to walk in his ways. Israel is a spiritual people who know how to listen to God and therefore to draw all creation back together. How wonderful in the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy we hear that Shema prayer. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is God alone. See, if sin is a basic disobedience, it's not listening to God. So the Shema is a call to a people to hear, to listen, to abide. And see, when they listen, they become the means by which creation is knit back together. Who is Jesus Christ staying now in this same trajectory? He is the definitive Noah. He's the definitive ark, for he is the fulfillment of the people Israel. He is the one who par excellence listens to God, because in his very person, divinity and humanity come together. See, and therefore, friends, he's the one who in his person will knit creation back together. He takes away the sin of the world and remakes the world according to his image. This is why 
St. Mark gives us, this magnificent icon that stands at the heart of our gospel reading. And how wonderful for the first Sunday of Lent we hear this. Listen. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. You know what's interesting in this first gospel, Mark? We don't have an elaborate story of temptation, as you find in Luke and in Matthew. It's a very simple, very understated version, but see, in some ways it contains the heart of it. First of all, the Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert. Why a desert? Well, see, what God intended for us was not a desert. What he intended for us was a garden. How do you unpack that symbolic language? He wanted life for us. Think of the Garden of Eden and all of its richness and fecundity and life as evocative of all that's good and right and beautiful and rich in human life. That's what God wants for us. What is sin done? Sin has turned the garden into a desert. I don't listen to God, and therefore creation around me falls apart. I don't listen to God, the Spirit, so now hatred, division, violence, separation, all of that obtains. The garden devolves into a desert. Where does the Spirit lead Jesus? Right into the desert. See, God's rescue operation again. Where was Noah's ark? It was in the midst of the floodwaters. Where's Israel? In the midst of a sinful world. Where does Jesus go? He goes into the desert of our hatred, our violence, our our unforgiveness, our lack of love. He goes right into there to do what? To make it again a garden. You know, just a hint as we begin Lent, fast forward for a moment to Easter. Jesus dies on the cross. Where's he buried? In this new tomb, we hear, that was in a garden. You see how he's planted like a seed in a place of new life. When Mary Magdalene sees him, doesn't recognize him, she thinks he's the gardener. Ah, that's Yahweh's great rescue operation. I'm going to change this desert into a garden of love and forgiveness, nonviolence. I want to give you that little hint of Easter as we begin Lent. But now, look at the second half of this. He drove into the desert, and then listen. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Let that image stay in your mind for a second. Think of Jesus now. Angels are ministering to him, and he's among the wild beasts. Do you see how he's knitting creation together? The spiritual and the material are now linked. The angels and the beasts are connected through him. He's the one definitively who listens to the Lord and therefore can affect the knitting together of all of creation. He is the definitive Noah's Ark. Now, maybe some have been listening to me and saying, well, all that's very uh, interesting, but what does that have to do with me on this first Sunday of Lent? Well, in a word, everything. As I've been saying, sin, and we all know it, we're all sinners, is this scattering force. 
it scatters the outside and it scatters you on the inside. When you stop listening to God, the world falls apart around you into division and separation. But also, you fall apart on the inside. Your mind goes one way, your will goes the other. One passion in you leads one way, another passion leads another way. Your public life is split from your private life. You're a mess, you're a jumble, a set of contradictions. See, friends, that's what happens when you stop listening to God. Your soul, if I can use classical language, is set against your body. Jesus is the one who reconciles the angels and the beasts. See what I mean? Who brings together the spiritual and the material. When you surrender to him, then everything in you finds its proper place. This zoo of warring animals in you becomes a unity. And here's what the disciplines of Lent are all about. We talk about prayer. What's prayer? It's sitting with Jesus, focusing on him, paying attention to him. We talk about fasting. What's fasting? It's discovering the disorders within you and then dealing with them in a spiritual way. We talk about almsgiving during Lent. What's that? But now going forth, having been gathered by Jesus, going forth as a force to gather the world. Friends, let this icon of Noah's Ark and the icon of Jesus with the angels and beasts stay in your mind as we go through Lent. He's the principle by which the world becomes gathered and by which you become gathered. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Four years in the making, and it's finally here. Our new Catholicism documentary series, book, and study program are now available to order online at catholicismseries.com. Will you help me introduce this epic film series to your parish, school, family, and friends? Catholicism is an unprecedented adventure around the world and deep into the faith. Learn more at catholicismseries.com or call 1-866-928-1237. That's 1-866-928-1237.